Welcome, welcome, Love Radio. Welcome, welcome to the RC Report. It's been a while, but we have a very special treat from you today. We have Sports Illustrated and the MMQB's own Andy Benoit today. How are you, Andy? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well because we have football coming very soon. So I've been listening to your podcast, reading your articles, and I've heard you say a couple times that the NFL has become a misdirection league. How so and which teams are excelling at that concept? Well, the how so part, more and more teams are deciding, hey, instead of trying to block everybody, let's leave one defender unblocked and let the play design freeze that defender, which is basically the same effect as blocking him, just eliminate, eliminate him by making him free. So you see a lot of plays that start out flowing one way and the ball goes the other way. And this is done uh, read option, jet sweep, uh, reverses, end arounds, those kind of, some of the very obvious things. But then the other parts that get done are the, the blocking structures. And you'll see pull blockers, pull in the opposite direction of where the ball goes at times, which is not something you would have seen a whole lot several years ago. And a lot of those are built into the read option. So you get multiple options built into the same run play. And because there are multiple options, there's reason for defenders to think the ball could be going this way, or it could be going that way. And the quarterback, he reads those defenders and he makes his decisions accordingly. So that's, that's what's happening. And then all those RPOs that people are talking about, the, the run pass option that became trendy last year, and that, that's going to stick around for, for a little while. That's all related to this stuff. Um, it, it, I just got done talking to uh, Bill Lazor, the Bengals offensive coordinator this afternoon, and he brought all this stuff up. And that's what they're studying. That's what everybody's studying right now. And so as far as who's excelling at it, um, the Eagles and the Rams and the Vikings set a very high bar in this realm last year. The Patriots have always been very good at it. The Saints, they don't, you wouldn't think they are because it's not an obvious part of their offense, but they do a nice job with this too. And what they do in Carolina is the same way. They'll build these misdirection concepts into some of their basic plays. So simple plays have just enough complexity that they, that they become not so simple plays. And then I guess the, finish it up Ronnie the the guy that, that does it the most right now and we'll see if it stays true now that he has a new quarterback but Andy Reid in Kansas City do you think as I hear you describing this a lot of this especially the numbers game aspect of it is Chip Kelly-esque and everyone thought that maybe he was going to revolutionize there was a lot of hype but do you think like maybe part of this is his legacy the play calling and the style and introducing it to the NFL, not necessarily the first person, but kind of popularizing it and making people uh, more aware of it. Maybe he martyred himself for it or whatever, if you want to look at the revolution. Uh, but how much of an influence do you think Chip Kelly had when he came into the league? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a smart question. And that's, I actually kind of came up with Laser a little bit too, because he was on that Chip Kelly staff yeah. uh, in, in 2013 was when Bill was there. But um, Kelly – I think he does deserve some credit for pioneering this because what he did was mainstreamed it into his offense. And not a lot of teams had done that before. The, the, the misdirection was the changeup. But even what Bill Lazor was telling me, even with Chip Kelly, so much of this is just the presentation. And Chip Kelly, what he told his staff was, we want the quarterback to hand the ball off and the running back to run the ball. 
Now, our offense is going to like the quarterback runs the ball. We want it to look like that, but we are a traditional offense. We just don't look like we are until the play is snapped. So they would present a lot of different things before the snap and immediately after the snap. But once you actually saw these plays unfold, Chip Kelly's offense was very simplistic, which is why teams figured it out once they got used to how fast they were calling those plays and running. So I think what we're seeing now, Kelly laid some groundwork for it, but I think it has expanded and become a little more refined to a level or two beyond what Kelly was doing, which is, that's normal. That's how the game evolves. And and you're right. He may have been a martyr in the revolution of it. I think part of the reason he's not in the NFL though, is some of the things he did uh, that were revolutionary off the field, the way he dealt with players and monitored their off field eating habits and sleeping habits, that, that stuff really doesn't fly with, millionaire professional athletes or any kind of professional athlete. So Lee or, or stylistically, I think most would tell you he fits the college game very well. Uh, NFL, maybe not as much there. Speaking of grown men that are, can be difficult to tame or control. Des Bryant had a few things to say last week, the end of the week. Uh, at this point, what is Des? He's un- besides unemployed, but what is he as a receiver in the NFL? What does he bring to the table? And where does he – does he a good fit? So, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. No, well, Des, I think Des Bryant is – I think his route tree is limited to in-breaking routes now. So, slants and slice routes, maybe maybe the occasional post pattern, but he really doesn't have the speed to, to build up to those very well. So underneath in-breaking routes, he's basically Jordan Matthews at this point. Um, that's a problem. That, that's, a lo- that's a problem on a number of fronts, the main one being a lot of people can do that. Now, Des might be able to do it better than some, but that's a pretty one-dimensional style of wide receiving, and most teams have an answer for that already in their offense. God, they already have someone like that. So that's what Dez is as a player. He doesn't run well anymore. He's not twitchy. He's never been overly refined. What he does off the field now, that, that's what's really hurting him because if you have a guy like that who's very replaceable, why would you sign him and then run the risk of dealing with all the media distraction and Twitter ranting that's going on now? Where what team do you think? Actually, I'll, I'll take that back because the fit side is interesting. This is more interesting. What what has he lost? So who was Dez when he was catching all the touchdown? He was with Romo, and a lot of fans, a lot of Cowboy fans, I deal with them a lot, are blaming it on Dak and says it's not the chemistry. And right before that, it was he was doing just fine with Romo, but there have been a lot of injuries. But can you tell me what's changed? What he's lost from what he was to what he is now? Yeah, sure, and, and I hope you can hear me. I'm driving from Bengals camp to Browns camp, and the, the rain has been okay. unbelievable on these rides here in Ohio. So I apologize for the, the background noise if, if it's getting d- disruptive. But that, your good. question, I love that question. Okay. okay, we're good. Well, uh, Romo, Brian was better with Romo. That, that's, that's, that's true. And Romo's a different style of QB than Dak Prescott. Romo... Uh, will throw the back shoulder stuff, which means your receiver doesn't have to be open in order to make catches. And Jordy Nelson with Aaron Rodgers is very similar. And then we saw Rodgers go out of the lineup, and all of a sudden people like me are calling Nelson flow. Uh, it's, it's similar with Des Bryant. So you have to have a quarterback willing to make tight window throws 
with especially with guys who are not twitchy or fast because those guys are not natural separators. Dak Prescott's not a tight window thrower. He doesn't have that mentality, and I don't know if he quite has – I don't want to say that throwing ability because I think he is a good thrower of the ball. That's just not the way he's programmed, though. He's more of a point guard type of quarterback, a ball distributor and a facilitator. So guys need to really show open for Dak to be comfortable – and the design has to be clearly defined. And neither of those things are really elements you get with Des Bryant. Since we're on the Cowboys, what do you think their prospects are this year? Uh, the pass rush is improved. Dak doesn't have the, the weapons. Really don't look very impressive there, even though we're thinking or they're, the, the Cowboys are trying to push the fact that Dak, like you're saying, could be a point guard. But overall, what do you think the Cowboys' prospects are this year? Uh, they're going to be a very run-based team, and they're equipped to do that. They've got the best running game set up in football, probably by a wide margin when you consider the just immense talent along the offensive line. Plus, I, I am big on Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, the, the problem with that is a lot of things have to go right for you to win in a run-based offense because the games are inherently close, for one. So you got to be able to win close games. Uh Two is when you do get off schedule, because even the best teams, you're going to have second and 11 sometimes if you're running the ball a lot. You've got to have an answer for that. Uh, and you've got to be willing to run the ball on second down and 11 and then win on third and short and third and medium. And that's, that's easy to say, and a lot of times that's hard to do for teams. And Scott Linehan's uh, always been a, a pretty traditional open passing type of offensive coordinator, a lot of plus split formations or spread formations, if you call it. Uh, and traditional routes off of that. So Linehan will have to adjust to make it, A, a truly run-based offense, which I think they're close to that already, but then, B, kind of to tie it, Ronnie, back to what we were just talking about, a misdirection run-based offense. Use Prescott's mobility to your advantage. Make him a weapon. Even if he's not running the ball, put him in your run designs to force the defense to account for him. And then they just traded for Tavon Austin. I'm going to give him the benefit of a doubt and say they did that for a reason. Tavon Austin can give you a lot of misdirection elements into your running game. So uh, that's what Dallas needs to do and then hope their defense, which is young and fast. I don't know if it's great yet. Yeah, I don't think it's great. It's got the potential to be. Uh, it's got some question marks, but they got to hope that defense matures in a hurry. And like that could be a 12-4 and four team. I mean, they're, they're anywhere from 6-10 and 10 to 12-4, and four, which I know you can say about a lot of teams, but that, that's the story with Dallas. The Rams made a lot of splashes in the offseason, in particular with their two corners in Tlaib and Peters. How do they fit in, or how do you think Wade Phillips is going to use those two corners? Uh, we'll, Wade will use them the way he always uses corners, which is he'll have them travel with receivers. Even if they're going to play – zone coverage, the corners will travel. So if both receivers are lined up on one side of the formation and there are no receivers on the other, say it's a tight end and it's a closed formation, both of those corners are going to be over where the receivers are. So somebody, Tlaib or Peters, one of those two guys, and it's going to be Peters because he did this in Kansas City in these kind of situations, that guy's going to have to play the slot. And he's probably going to do matchup coverages out of it, be able to play zone at times too his coverage is there. But the big answer, the, the high 30,000-foot perspective, Ronnie, is, is that this will be a matchup defense, man coverage, 
Phillips will have to be patient because Tlaib and Peters are not always conventional in the way they apply their technique. Uh, they're high-risk, high-reward type of guys, and you hope your pass rush can be good enough that you can live with those kind of guys on the back end. Where's the Damakon Sue at this stage in his career? Obviously, with him and Aaron Donald, people are thinking that it could be a dominant uh, line, but where? And what is he at this point in his career? I don't think he's slowed out a whole lot. I thought he looked fine on film in Miami last year. What, what gets overlooked about Sue is he is a very selfless player, and he does a lot of things within the context of the, of the scheme and how they draw up their four-man rushes that he's been a part of. He does a lot of things to make the people around him better. Stunts and twists and defensive line plants, concepts that have you starting out in one gap as a defensive tackle and attacking a different gap. Sue does those exceptionally well, and a lot of times when you do that, you get sacrificed. You're not going to be the guy getting the, the penetration. You're occupying blockers. And I've always been impressed with Sue for that reason. And he is one of those players who's good enough to win even when the design calls for someone else to win. I mean, he can be the setup guy and still make the play. So I, I'm a big Indomitian Sue fan. He played a lot of snaps last season. He's always done that. I bet they reduce his snaps a little bit with the Rams because they've got some decent depth at defensive tackle. But I think Sue is what we've seen for the most part over the years. Jared Goff, was his success last year more Sean McVay or, well, I know it was more Sean McVay, but how much of the success was Sean McVay and how much was Jared Goff? Because we get the image that Jared Goff is just this robot that Sean McVay programs. Yeah, and, and I know McVay takes an exception to that, and I understand why he does, and I understand why people say that about Goff. At the end of the day, Goff's still the one that has to make the throws, and he is a good thrower. That gets overlooked. He throws the ball very well, especially down the seams, which can be a big deal in that offense. Uh, he's a good timing and rhythm passer, which is why he thrives on play action. Where he needs to get better, and I think he will get better because he's, he's shown some growth here already, and he has the toughness, and which is important, uh, is moving with poise within the pocket. He is not always a comfortable player with bodies around him, and you have to be to, A, play in the NFL, but, B, especially to run McVay's offense. Uh, it's a very pocket-oriented passing game. So that's what Goff is. I think the Rams have every reason to be excited about Goff being their quarterback. Um, McVay and he get along very well. That's a great stylistic fit, and that's what you want. And if we want to give McVay the credit, I know McVay doesn't love that, uh, but at the end, of it, they'll take the win. And we're giving someone the credit because these guys are winning games together. Jimmy Garoppolo obviously had a very good end to the season, but now people are saying, okay, we're giving him a lot of hype. We look at his touchdown to interception ratio. We look at the fact that these are meaningless games. Is Jimmy the real deal when you look at him on film? I, I know I, I went and sat with Kyle Shanahan this offseason just, just getting acquainted talking football, and I know they certainly think Jimmy's the real deal there in San Francisco. And Shanahan, and it's his call at the end of it, everything they do there, but – He's not the only one. That, that organization, whatever the hype is around Garoppolo outside the organization, and it's pretty extraordinary hype right now, it's equal, if not more than that, within the organization. They, they, which makes, I mean, look at the contract they gave him after only a few starts. That tells you they truly believe he will get better. They paid for him now rather than risk paying Aaron Rodgers type of money for him next year. 
So the, there's the, a lot of good, smart football people think he's the real deal. Now, you never quite know with any of these guys. you got to see what how he handles newfound fame and how he does once teams get more film on him. But the traits are there. He has a quick release. Uh, Garoppolo moves very well within the pocket. Everything is quick but not rushed. Um, he's smart. He's a smart player. He ran that offense last year without really fully understanding it. He and Shanahan improvised to make it work, and Garoppolo had enough working football IQ knowledge to make it work. But now that he's had a whole year to learn what he's actually doing in that system, I think he could be a very good player for them. You're very bullish on Deshaun Watson. And obviously this is another guy with a very short sample size. This time he's coming off an ACL injury. Why are you so high on Watson? Well, Here's what I like. I could very well see Watson throwing 20 interceptions this year and having a learning experience type of season. And he is, he's a gunslinger, and he might be one of those guys that always has interceptions, and he's so good in other areas that you live with it, kind of like Brett Favre has been or Eli Manning for a lot of years in his career. Um, so I don't think – I think there are other people who are higher on Watson than I am, but I what I like about him is – he is willing to play from the pocket despite being mobile. And that is not true of very many guys. That mobility is a big weapon. And the Texans, Bill O'Brien and his staff, did an absolutely brilliant job of using that mobility last season. And they rewrote their offense on the fly to accommodate the mobility. So uh, he's in a good situation. I would never have guessed O'Brien would do that, not because I don't think he's willing but O'Brien had such a clearly defined type of scheme and it was the Tom Brady type of scheme uh, to go and install stuff for Deshaun Watson on the fly is is, that takes a lot of humility and intelligence and flexibility and O'Brien showed all of that but Watson in his turn he 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 repaid O'Brien and he repaid him by playing from within the pocket and not relying on his mobility so many guys used it as a crutch I mean Russell Wilson for example when Russell Wilson gets uncomfortable, he starts running around, and that becomes the foundation of his game. And it works sometimes, and other times it doesn't. And at the end of the end of the season, what you had was an inconsistent offense. Watson's not like that. He's willing to play with subtlety and poise and go through all of his progressions within the pocket and move only when necessary. And, and he got so much better at that each game last year. So – I'll be really interested to see if he continues to grow there. He does have some ways to go. I mean, he's, he's not overly refined right now. But the stuff you want to see in a quarterback, he does all of it. So that's why I'm so bullish on him. I'm, I'm more bullish on him, Ronnie, in the really big picture. I don't know if he's going to take over the league this year. But I think he can be a really, really unique, great quarterback over a four- to five-year span from now. Andy, it's always a pleasure. It's always an honor. Before you go, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, at Andy underscore Benoit or Benoit if you're a little more sophisticated than I am. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Enjoy training camp. All right. You got it. Thanks. That was Andy Benoit of the MMQB. Very interesting interview. He's very high on Watson. He took a shot or two at Russell Wilson. He said some very interesting things about the Cowboys and about Dez Bryant, and I hadn't heard anybody talk about how Dez had declined or specifically how he declined and broken it down, and we addressed that. So a really good podcast, and we got a lot of name drops, a lot of name drops. 
guys and make you feel closer to the game. It was just amazing. So before we leave, like the podcast on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, share it, retweet it on Facebook, spread the word. The RC Report is back.